So you want to invest in early stage technology startups, but aren't sure where to start? On this show, we share real stories, lessons learned, and practical tips for savvy angel investing. We'll help you navigate the complex and sometimes confusing waters of early stage tech startups and introduce you to organizations that can help you make smart investments in Florida-based companies spanning the Space Coast to the Gulf Coast. So, hey, Marcus Adolfson, how are you doing today? I am great, Alan. How are you? Fantastic. Welcome to the Upsurge Florida podcast. Um, my name is Alan Clary, uh, and I'm on the Tampa Bay side of the corridor. Uh, and this to my left here is Mr. Scott Ritchie, my illustrious counterpart on the eastern side of the corridor and uh, associated with the Starter Studio in Orlando, but really um, works with startups all along that side of things. Say hi, Scott. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks so much this afternoon for joining us. So Right. And so Scott works with a ton of startups on both sides of the table, you know, you you know, working with founders, but also on the investor side, because you as yourself as an investor as well. And I'm over here on the West Coast of Florida. This is the Upsurge Florida podcast. And so Marcus, um, we've got some breaking news here with you. This is one of the reasons why I want to make sure we got you in the rotation here, because um, you uh, have just are really just now launching a brand new seed seed fund tech early stage tech seed fund in the Tampa Bay area. Um, I think the press release is either out today or tomorrow. It's like it's basically here. And you've got a really, I think, a really great backstory. The thing that we always talk about when we talk about uh, investing, early stage investing in in, uh, in in Florida is just we need more tech founders to have, you know, outsized exits, to have large exits, and then turn around and, and create funds and invest in, in tech. So we've been talking about this for a while. It doesn't happen enough, but it, but it happened with you. So if you could just uh, give a little bit about your background and how, uh, how you got to this point. Yeah. So great. So yeah, so the, the big news is that we're kicking off uh, Tampa Bay Ventures. Uh, it's going to be a, it is a venture capital company based here in St. Petersburg, Tampa and Lakeland. Um, and our edge, our niche is that we are really only focusing on companies in this region. Uh, right. We find that there's right, enough deal flow, enough smart entrepreneurs, enough investors here that uh, we can really take that focus. And it really helps make our, our job easier too, right? You can say that, yeah, we'll look at all the opportunities elsewhere, but then you're drowning in 20, 30 requests per day. Us having a filter, only looking at companies in the Tampa Bay region uh, is going to help us tremendously, you know, find the best opportunities here. But in my backstory, uh, 20 years ago, I started a company called uh, Mobile Nations who were an online media player and pretty much ran it as a lifestyle company for many years. It provided a great cash flow, uh, very reasonable working hours. Uh, I mean, it was still a grunt. It was still a startup, but it, we, we were never venture backed. Uh, so we didn't have those kind of demands. And a few years ago, the business really took off and we started getting some inbound solicited offers, decided around a process of that. In the beginning, I was not convinced hiring bankers were the right choice. Uh, but in the end, I was, was certainly very excited that it did. Uh, they were able to, drive the exit valuation up from, uh, from mid, um, mid eight digits up to, to, to low nine digits, uh, which was very exciting. Um, and, uh, now is the time to, you know, give back to the community. 
right. and right. launching a fund like this, helping other entrepreneurs and showing them that it's possible, right? You don't need to have a, a billion dollar exit as an entrepreneur to to be to have an exciting lifestyle, right? Right. If you can build a company up for a fifty million dollar, sixty million dollar, hundred million dollar exit, right? You know, those article those those don't generate press in the national media, but they create really good exits for the local community. Right. And and so Marcus, yeah for so that's so first of all, you have to explain your accent a little bit and then also uh what town in Florida because you you kind uh that you built this company, which would also be interesting for people to know. Sure. Yeah. So the accent is uh, Scandinavian. I'm from Sweden. Uh, and my parents moved to Florida in 95. They could go pretty much anywhere in Florida. My mother's an occupational therapist, but they picked Citrus County, uh, which is uh, very much the northern part of the Tampa Bay region, right? Uh, so I went to high school up there in Lakanto High School, then uh, went to University of Florida, loved Gainesville, so just stayed behind uh, after graduation and, and grew the company there. Although we were um, remote first, we never really had an office. Uh, everyone was uh, remote workers from, from, from the get-go. And uh, then a few years ago, moved, moved down into St. Petersburg. Uh, so we were, we were way ahead of all of this uh, virtual working that, that now everyone is doing during COVID. And you consider yourself a tech guy. I mean, the, the, the company you built was definitely online. It started as pure in- e-commerce and then became a, a, a media play, but 100% online. So... Uh, Tech is a uh, tech is a place that you've basically lived your whole career. Agreed. For sure. Yeah. You know, the, we had to back then. Uh, we had to build our own e-commerce carts, right? There was no mm-hmm. uh, no easy plug and play systems like there are today. We had to right. build our own ERP platforms. We, we couldn't mm-hmm. afford afford to go out and buy a, like a SAP solutions and, and things like that. Uh, eventually, as some of the technologies got more. Um, community, you know, open source size, right? Uh, we eventually pivoted and became better integrators, like we would use Drupal to power our CMS and, and, and other tools. Uh, so we became really good integrators, but it was definitely a tech company uh, at its core. We just, you know, we produced a lot of content using the platforms we developed. Uh, but yes, we definitely consider ourselves to, to be a tech company. And I was always the the nerdiest. Key Hold nerd. on, you can say it. You yeah, were the, the nerdiest. It's a nerd guy, the nerd CEO. <laughs> like, you know, I, I would always step on my CTO's toes because I'd be like, oh, we should try using this technology. And, <laughs> uh, very early adapters of, of open source technologies, uh, you know, like the LAMP stack. When Nginx, which is a, a really cool web server, came out, we started using that. Then we tried to stay on the leading edge, but, you know, Node.js. And so I was always in that, in that I, I geeked out a lot. With, with my fellow uh, absolutely. Yeah, the absolutely and Marcus I and I'm going to end this, this guy here's got a question but uh, what what one other part of my favorite part of your story is that after you sold your company you kind of I mean you did do you did serve in that transition company for a short period a publicly traded company out of uh, out of out of uh, the UK but um, you know like most founders that, that couldn't last very long and but you kind of didn't know what you would do next you're you're very you're still a very young man I happen to know uh, that and uh, and you kind of kind of were kind of kicking around to, to, uh, to what to do next um, and so and and so talk about like uh, when this idea the light bulb kind of went off for you on this uh, idea of a fund. Yeah, you know, I was re- so I started when I ran my company because it was so virtual because we didn't have an office here. I didn't feel that I had a great connection to the local startup community. 
right? right. Uh, I just went out there. You're so heads down when you're CEO growing a company to just keep it going, right? Right. Uh, and after I uh, exited the acquirer, I had definitely some more time to, to sit around and figure out what are the needs in the community and then sh- should I be an operator again, right? I've been an operator Ooh. for 20 years. I, I, <laughs> I, I've taken that, you know, gone through the lows and the highs of running your own company, right? right? Uh, whether it was legal problems or insurance problems or employee problems, you know, dealt with it all, right? Right. Uh, and then it, those were the lows and then on the highs, you know, you had a great numbers, great years, uh, being able to provide for 50 families, you know, like that, that those were the highs, right? Right. Um, but decided that I'm not ready to be a full-time operator again yet, right? That it's, right. It's, it's good to to have some space in between that. Um, and But what I can do is give guidance, right? right? But guidance is cheap. You know, founders can get guidance, not everywhere, but a lot of right. people are definitely interested in giving guidance. But what they also need is capital. Right. right? So uh, the way to do that is to give guidance and capital together. Uh, and that's exactly what we're doing within Tampa Bay Ventures, we're trying to build a platform where we have the proper advisor boards, as well as the cash that helps the company get to where it needs to go. Um, and rather than just be an angel investor, uh, because, you know, I, I can't empty my, my pocketbooks and just putting them in, in illiquid startup funds. But <laughs> if I just write, you know, commit $2 million to this, it doesn't nudge the needle either, right? Right. Um, so we decided, what do we do? Let's do a proper VC firm. Let's take cash from from limited partners. We'll we'll bundle it together, right? Uh, and we want to be the first, you know, professional check into the uh, into the company. Um, and I realized I couldn't just do that by myself, right? So I had I went out and found three other general partners that are joining me in this venture. Uh, right. Andreas uh, is joining with a lot of experience. And uh, out of Sweden, not out of all places. Of all places. <laughs> uh, uh, and, but it's actually a pretty good fit because if you look at an area like Stockholm, you know, Stockholm has 1.6 million people and has some change, right? Right. The Tampa Bay region has 4.7 million people if you if you uh, draw the circle from Citrus County down through Polk County and Sarasota. Right. Uh, so it's uh, it's a good fit to, to find people that have worked in, in mid-markets like this yes. that can turn an area from... You know, Tampa Bay is not known for producing great tech companies at the moment, right? right. Especially if you compare it to Stockholm, Tel Aviv, Austin, you know, all of the, right. the West Bay area. But we think we have an opportunity to, uh, over the next 10 years, really make that happen. Right. Yeah, Marcus, I'm enjoying hearing this from you. And I, I definitely want to dig further uh, during this session into the fund and your vision for what you see in Central Florida. But before, before we go there, because this is... Uh, this is new to me, and I love hearing this story. Uh, it's it's inspirational, right, for other founders to hear what what you've achieved, and and also a little bit different spin that you know maybe you weren't out in the in the financing and and fundraising struggle that was maybe more typical to some of the founders that have a big idea but you know don't know how to capitalize it and advance it you know beyond that earliest stage. Could you talk a little bit because it sounds like you had a great vision coming out of uh, school for for the business you wanted to build, what, what was, was there a moment um, for you where you thought this business is not going to work or there's so much adversity, maybe not on the financing side, but on sort of proving out your business and what you learned in that, 
sort of struggle as an entrepreneur? Is there anything you would share on that looking back at how you built your business? Um, sure. I don't think we had the necessarily, so one of the things with my business when we started, it was very capital uh, efficient, right? Um, and me being a coder helped tremendously as well, right? I didn't need to sink money into, into developing a platform. I could write it myself in the, in the evenings uh, while I was a student or uh, during the day if I skipped classes. Um, <laughs> and I still had to, um, if I fast forward you know, a little bit, that I did get a, a full-time job after college because that's what you're supposed to do, right? Uh, and I had a, a growing family at the time. Uh, but I still had this as a side venture and it was making some money, but not a tremendous amount of money. Uh, but I had a very good insight that the smartphone was going to go from uh, a product that only nerds love to everybody in the world is eventually going to want to have this, this phone in your, you know, this device in your pocket. Right. Uh, and there were a lot of slack in that market and we identified some key gaps very early on uh, across a few different sectors. First, Nerds like myself loved the smartphone and specifically the, the Trio, which was a very mm -hmm. early, early smartphone. Yeah. I had one, I'm yeah. ashamed we to both, say. We both had yeah. Trios here, yes. But you couldn't buy it online. You had to go to a Verizon store yeah. and was even, or a Sprint store. And you had to be an enterprise customer or a business right. customer to even buy it. So I struck up a deal with a, a business reseller from Sprint that had rights to, to sell the phone to say, hey, can I... Can I buy the phone from you? Uh, will you pretty much just drop ship it, right? And right. write to my individual customers. And uh, we signed all the agreements with them. And at the time, no one had a data plan, right? So we didn't make any money in selling the phones, but Sprint would pay us about $200 per activation because people, you know, sign up for data plan. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and no one else was selling these phones online. So we, uh, I wrote the shopping cart software. Uh, started taking orders. We already had some traffic to my website because the website was a community, a blog, you know, about the trio. So it's a plug and play monetization engine, right? If you write about the trio, why don't you start mm -hmm. selling the trio if right. no one else does. Right. Right. Uh, and we got a few hundred orders, you know, the first day, a few hundred orders times 200 bucks yeah. uh, is real money. And it just kind of grew from there. Yeah. So yeah. we didn't have a, um, a capital constraint issue. Uh, it was more, more of a gut feel, is this going to work for the long term? Right, right. right. So I still had to start to quit, you know, in, in that kind of sense. Yes. Uh, and ended up um, quite a few restless nights before I decided if I was going to turn it into a full-time venture or not, you know, quit my full-time job and do it. But I'm, I'm really glad that I did. Uh, a lot of people tried to talk me out of it, that it wasn't going to last. You know, I'd hit, hit gold once and, you know, maybe you can't reproduce it, but uh, we kept reproducing it for 20 years, um, you know, after we sold the Mar Marcus, that's a great, a great story. Uh, and so to jump back to the fund, uh, now I was going to ask, so I, I understand that you were able to quickly circle up, um, from my understanding 10 million and, uh, on your way to more. And so talk about the size of this fund and also the, um, the investment, uh, thesis and pace number of companies as well, please. Yeah. So it's a $20 million fund, you know, seed fund. Mm -hmm. Very small fund from, you know, a global perspective, right? Right. Uh, the West Coast, people are putting together yeah. a million dollar fund. Yeah. Uh, just the insane value, insane fund sizes that are driving, um, you know, pretty unrealistic valuations as well, right? Or, right. Um, 
or, or puts a lot of pressure on the entrepreneurs. You know, because if you take if you take a million dollar from uh, you know from a VC, you're gonna have to sell for for at least ten million dollars to everyone to be happy, right? And that's not that hard. Now you take you know take a hundred million dollars, you've got to deliver a billion dollar exit. But there are only so many billion dollar exits mm-hmm. that are going to run. Mm-hmm. But we feel that twenty million dollars is is suitable for for our re- uh, region at the moment, uh, and we plan to deploy that into roughly twenty companies over the next five years. So a uh, million dollars uh, per company, roughly one company per quarter. Right? We're not gonna. This is not gonna be the. Uh, we're not going to say yes to everyone. We still have to be very selective because that's, right. that's how, how we protect uh, and, uh, our investors and deliver our return for them. Right. Um, right. But uh, but we think that size is, is still going to be material for this area where you have not had local funds uh, that are only catering to the Tampa Bay region. Right? And- you have angel investors, uh, and they are great. Uh, they have helped out a lot of companies. Uh, but they can also be a little bit of a distraction if if you're dealing with a lot of different angel groups at the same time and they want to run their due diligence in a simultaneous manner. Uh, versus if you come to us and, and we commit to you, you know, it will be one due diligence process, and it's it's our job to make sure that uh, the full allocation gets gets rounded out. Yeah, Marcus, uh, could you talk a little bit about what you expect as that diligence process? The the types of things the I'm assuming some of these are, are pre-revenue companies or early early revenue companies. You know, start to finish. Um, how long do you expect these companies to be going through diligence with you? And uh, is there any particular sector that you're focused on? Obviously, you have a a, a background in, um, in in tech products and in e-commerce. Is there anything beyond that that you've targeted for this fund? So it just needs to be a scalable business. You know, we, we like to, and usually scalable businesses tend to be tech enabled, right? Mm-hmm, right. Uh, so obviously we're going to stay away from, from real estate, mm-hmm. you know, real estate investing and, you know, all of those areas that are t- have typically done well in our region, raising funds, right? Right. But, uh, so it tends to be software solutions, but we're also looking at, at, at hardware companies, as long as they're scalable, right? right? It's not going to be the local, we can't invest in the local flower shop. Right. Uh, this is not going to deliver the returns we need to do, uh, but the deal flow have been uh, tremendously good so far, uh, and we haven't even launched it. We've just been doing you know soft soft discussions um, right. with a lot of companies in in various ESOs. Um, so so that's the sector focus, and obviously then with the with the geographical limits to our area, we want to be really both investor and founder friendly, right? So right. one of the commitments. Uh, uh, as as GPs have done is that we want, want to give you a no very quickly, right? We're not going to give you a maybe and, and string you along for uh, for months, right? Uh, or at least a no at this time. And we always are going to give you constructive feedback on why we said no. Uh, a lot Perfect. of VCs seem to be scared of giving that for uh, offending the firm, uh, or, or maybe they don't even give no as they're stringing them along. But uh, the few times we have said no so far, we've given them uh, multiple pages of constructive feedback of where we would like to see them, you know, before they come back to us, or even point them in the right direction. As if someone we suggested, you really need to get a, a chief operating officer on board or, or a second, you know, founder that has much more operating experience. Uh, and everyone we've given our feedback to is taking that extremely well. Uh, assuming we do give you a, a preliminary yes, and we take you into that due diligence stage, we want to have that completed 
uh, within three weeks because time is of the essence uh, for these companies, right? Uh, so it's not a, a super drawn out process, but uh, and it depends on, on how far along the company is, right? If it's just a, a handful of, of founders and, and min, minimal uh, IP, it's a pretty easy due diligence. If they've been around for, for one, two years and, and the cap table is a little bit complicated, then that takes a little bit longer. Uh, but uh, we want to be as efficient with the founders' times as possible uh, because there's really, really no time to waste. Yeah, Marcus, I just going to say uh, this, this podcast will be out there. Founders will hear this. They will, they will seek you out. I will, I will tell you firsthand from working with literally hundreds of founders the last uh, four or five years um, and seeing their single biggest frustration has been uh, feedback from going and being invited to give, not getting any by the Mm way. And secondly, the process that's drawn out as you, as you are firsthand aware, you know, sort of, you know, the, the time will, will kill these startups. It, it, they don't have the time to, to spend two to three months to get to a no or to, to get to a process. So everything you've just described is extremely, you know, founder friendly. And, and if you've got a steep enough funnel on your side to vet the things that are going to make sense for you and from an investment thesis standpoint, it's efficient for everybody. But I, I just wanted to compliment you on that. I think that's, that is missing amongst the community and the inefficiency of it. And, and quite frankly, um, amongst some of the angel groups and what have you, they're less structured. Um, these things just go on and on and on and that, that burns founders out too. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've done um, a mini roadshow talking to uh, mostly successful startup companies in the area that have been able to raise funds, but we asked them to share their previous pain points uh, and then have modeled you know, our processes to solve those pain points. Fantastic. Keeping keep yeah. was, was all this time, uh, time to, time to a yes, time to a no, the DD process, uh, unrealistic expectations. You know, if someone comes from a real estate background, uh, and they're used to buying a majority of the deal, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they come in and they talk a seed company and they're like, yeah, I need to get 51% in this round. For, <laughs> you know, and, and they, try to work some kind of you know cash flow formula like it doesn't work right you need <laughs> well, to know how the game is played uh and, and because vc in, in many ways is a game right and if you don't know the rules you are hurting both yourself and you're definitely hurting the company yeah right? um, and and our one of our biggest responsibilities is obviously not just writing the c check the mentoring but actually helping them get the series a and, and the b right but by the time you get to the b round we, we assume that the, the next vcs are are taking all, all you know over that mantle, right? But if we write you a check, it's going to be you know a lot on us to help you get to a series A, right? Um, because otherwise we we're not successful either. And if if you are only working with an angel that maybe don't fully understand that the way the the game works, it's it's a little you're handicapping yourself a little bit. Yeah, I mean you you just explained so much in what you described there because um, from a, from hearing your story and a guy that actually didn't really have to go out and bootstrap too much or raise money. Uh, you are solving for, you know, so much inefficiency that's out there in the process. And you just have an amazing awareness of, of how to do it better and how to be efficient on both sides of it. And so again, uh, my compliments to you for, for digging in and finding those pain points and finding something that's going to work for everybody. You want Marcus to go over and open up a, uh, uh, Space Coast dot uh, ventures next. We ahead. absolutely do, and, and as that as that geography expands a little bit, perhaps outside of just yeah. Tampa, as you get more 
access, um, you know, Marcus. Mar- Marcus, go ahead and go ahead and uh, purchase spacecoast.ventures real quick. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, for right now, the geographic niche works to our benefits, right? Because yeah. we're still a small yeah. firm. So we'll be able to say no to 90% of the companies right away because they don't fit the geographic niche, right? We're right. just going to get a lot of stuff, you know, from the website from all over the country. It's, yeah. it's already happening. Yeah. Um, but then the companies that do meet our thesis, we'll be able to devote a, a lot more time on and and uh, and do it efficiently so we can get to those quick yeses and no. So that's, that's super helpful. But then as we scale up, we'll definitely uh, improve this as it works. Uh, we'll definitely look for the rest of Florida. You know, Florida is is definitely the happening place, so the happening state at the moment. Yeah. Could you, could you speak on that? I mean, you, obviously you're local, you, you've looked across, you, you know, the upsurge initiative focuses on the corridor from, as Alan said, the space coast all the way over to, to Tampa Bay. You've carved out a region that you feel is sufficient for your phones. What's, what's behind your thinking on that? And what do you see more broadly around that, that corridor of central Florida and inclusive of Tampa? Um, do you, you see enough pipeline for sure. You wouldn't have geographically restricted it. Um, do you have any thoughts or comments on that outlook? Yeah, and it's it just not the pipeline that exists today, right? A fund like this has a 10-year lifespan, you know, five-year investment period, right? I can't even imagine where we're going to be five years from now. Right, uh, right. But even if the pipeline were not fully there today, which it already is, we, we just, Andreas and I literally got off a meeting just before this, uh, before this podcast with a very promising SaaS business. And like, you know, I was successful in Tampa Bay. A lot of my friends have been successful in Tampa Bay. It's, right, right. There's a lot of successful companies that are built that have, you know, those $100 million exits, right? Right. If we can get a unicorn, and they're out there too. And we know, you know, between no before and... Connect-wise? Connect-wise? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them out. I mean, not a lot. There are several unicorns out there. Um, but a fund like ours can also work with 100, 150, 200 million dollar exits, right? And we only need one or two of those companies to carry the fund. Uh, so I full confidence that our region supports those companies um, many times over at the moment. And, right. and over the next five years, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna see more and more uh, unicorns. And, and as companies are seeing successful exits the employees inside those companies get inspired to do, do their own thing too. Right. right. So Tampa is already getting known a little bit for, for the cybersecurity exits and employees that have good exits in yeah. those niches, right. um, you know, we've got to start their own companies. Yeah. We've got the, uh, the, the connect, the connect wise millionaires uh, made a lot of news uh, last year, right? There you go. It's, it's exactly right. Exactly. And, and, and maybe sometimes even if an employee didn't make money on the deal, they saw, you know, the light bulb went off, right? Yeah. Like, sure. I've, our product has this, uh, there's a gap in the market. I know how to go out and build it. I've seen how, how, uh, how, uh, you know, my company's founders did it. I want to do the same thing. Right. right. Uh, so it just tends to be a, a self virtue cycle. Yes. Yeah. You know, Marcus, it's been uh, fantastic. I know you've spoken with, um, with Alan before about this and a relationship, and I'm going to be very excited to, to do part two of this as a follow-up, you know, 90 or 180 days from now and understand uh, where you guys are because it's such an exciting time for your launch and, and to really follow up and see how that fund grows and what you deploy. Um, we're coming up on sort of the, the end of the hour here. Any other thoughts or comments that you have about the fund or about 
um, tech in Central Florida that you you wanted to share with folks or want them to know about you know your position? Yeah, if uh, anyone is interested, both, both founders and investors, they can uh, they can go to tampabay.ventures or tampabayventures.com, which I want is easier to to type in and, and learn more about the fund. Um, we are super excited to to help build this ecosystem and make it an internationally recognized ecosystem. Uh, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet, but thanks to the activities that you guys are doing. Uh, the other VCs in the area, you know, we, we have some friendly, uh, friendly competitors uh, that's that's helping this ecosystem become vibrant as well. And uh, you know, I think five years, ten years from now, we're going to look back and, and see that this was the pivot point where, where Florida was really becoming known as the as a tech state. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. 100%. We we see it that way as well, and we're just so encouraged to see folks like you sharing your experience, sharing your wealth, and and not just on the financial side, but also your your perspective and knowledge around building a business and what it's going to take to execute. And I and I really learned a lot listening to you and uh, hope That's others awesome. do as well. It's awesome. Hey, Marcus, thank you for coming on. And uh, we wish you a, a great uh, rest of your day, weekend, and uh, till next time. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Okay, okay thank thanks, you. Marcus. Bye. Did you like today's episode? If you did, be sure and rate our show and let us know what you think. Plus, you'll want to visit our website at upsurgeflorida.org to view upcoming events, subscribe to our monthly newsletter, and share our content with friends. The Upsurge podcast is brought to you by Nonprofit Tech Accelerators Tampa Bay Wave and Orlando's Starter Studio under a grant from the Federal Economic Development Administration and the Orlando Economic Partnership. Until next time. Thanks for listening.